0: Houston Northwest. How are we doing, everybody? Good, good, good. Glad you're here today. Um, Welcome to anybody here in the room who is our guest. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, A lot of great things happening here at this church. I'm obviously biased, but it it actually is true. And uh, if you're our guest, we're really glad that you're with us. Uh, We would love it if you would let us know that you're here. Um, We believe that our vision, our mission here at Houston Northwest is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. And uh, we want to help you in that. So if you believe that our city needs to look more like heaven, and if you indeed are someone who wants to look more like Jesus in your life, then we hope that you'll let us know. And so if you're here in the room, you can fill out a card that looks like this. It's in the seat pocket in front of you. And at the end of the service, just drop it into the offering basket. And we'll follow up with you this week. There's also a digital version of that card. If you prefer that, just scan the QR code on the back of the seat. Or if you're joining us online, there'll be a link that'll be dropped into the chat. And you can just click on that. It'll take you to the same digital card. Uh, we're not looking to spam you, but we really believe that what we're doing here matters, that the Lord is using it. And we want to encourage you uh, to be able to, to join in. And so I want to encourage you in that. So please fill that card out. Let us know that you are here uh, today. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to go ahead, take it out, open it up, head over to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 33 today. We're going to start in verse 14. Um, As you're headed over there, just want to make a a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Number one, um, we've got a lot of new folks that are coming to our church lately, and we're truly blessed by that. And one of the things that we're noticing is that we have a a lot of people who are asking questions, uh, things they need help with. One of those is, how do I read the Bible? Another one of those is how do I pray? Another one of those is what does it mean to to be a follower of Jesus? And so we are gonna start a a new class called Foundations. And let me tell you what this class is. It's it's really unique because you can jump in at any time. We're just gonna repeat the same four classes over and over in Foundations class. So this class will meet at 10.30 a.m. starting next Sunday in the the building right next door, the A building, adult building, room 121. And so you can show up there in Foundations on that week and we'll be talking about, like I mentioned, topics like how to read the Bible, how to pray. And then you can ask whatever questions in a very small setting and and really just ask what it is that you need to know. So I'm excited about this. If this is something that sounds of interest to you, I hope you'll show up next week at 10.30 in room A, 121. Um, As I've already mentioned, We do have a lot of new folks that have been coming lately. It's been super exciting to see new faces and to see what the Lord is doing. Um, One of the things that we want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible for new folks to find places to park and to be able to have a great experience here as they show up. So we're in need of some help. Uh, One of those is if you've been coming for a while, it would really help us on Sunday mornings if you would park a little bit further away. So you could park in the YMCA parking lot or you could park um, down by the lodge or down by uh, the student building. If you don't know where those things are, we can help you find those, but it just gives folks who are a guest um, an opportunity to park closer, to be able to find parking, not have to struggle for that. Also, uh, we need help just in serving in different areas. Our kids ministry and our student ministry is growing rapidly, and uh, we would appreciate any help that we could get serving those families. And so if that seems like something you'd be interested in, then let us know that um, as well. So we really, really appreciate it. All right, so Exodus 33, as you're headed over there, I just want to briefly introduce the Bible for anybody here in the room who may be new to the Bible. uh, The Bible is divided into two parts the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament gives us a record of God's chosen people, Israel, and tells us about how they were looking for a rescuer, a redeemer. They use the word Messiah. The reason that they were looking for that was because they continued to be uh, conquered and enslaved by a different group of empires over and over. By the time we get to the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, um, the, the group that has enslaved them is the Romans. And so God hears their prayer, hears their cry, and does indeed send a Messiah, a rescuer, a redeemer. He sends Jesus. But Jesus is not... Um, A military revolutionary, he's not a political revolutionary, but Jesus is instead, and in fact, God in flesh. And Jesus teaches a way to live according to God's plan called the kingdom of God. He then dies a sacrificial death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. And then three days later comes back from the dead, proving that he is indeed God in flesh and proving that indeed he has the ability to give us the promise of eternity. So from the very beginning, people are excited about this and they start proclaiming, we have found the Messiah. And here today in this church, we proclaim the same Messiah, Jesus. And this is what we proclaim, that here today you can know purpose in life, have a way to live, you can know forgiveness of sin, and today you can have the great gift of the promise of eternity if you say yes to Jesus, if you make him the Lord of your life and your Savior. This is the gospel and good news. Now, today we're reading from the book of Exodus. Exodus was written um, to tell the story of the people of God as they were moving out of slavery in Egypt and towards the promised land. This was whenever they began this yearning and crying out. And the the part of the scripture we're going to read today, Moses is having a conversation with God saying, God... We're willing to follow you wherever, but please always be with us. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to jump in, and we're going to read in Exodus 33, starting in verse 14. So let me pray for us and ask God to move today. Father, our prayer today is that you would indeed move in churches around our community and through our city. Uh, Father, right now, there's a lot of men that are standing up to preach your word and to challenge people to say yes to you and to exhort them and to encourage them. And so God, our prayer right now is for pastors like Matt over at The Matt, or Ken over at Faith Bridge or Jarrett over at Champion Forest or Blake over at Crossover or Lord, countless other churches across our city that Lord, your word would be faithfully proclaimed and that Father, today, people around our city would come to faith through the preaching of your word and the movement of your spirit. God, today, would you meet people, not just in our church, but in the capital C church everywhere, so that people would know that Jesus is real and that, God, you are continuing to move. God, we pray this, and we ask that you would move in this service here today, that you would rescue people and change hearts, and we pray this in the name of your son. Amen and amen. So uh, let's read Exodus 33, starting in verse 14. Again, Moses having a conversation with the Lord. This first verse, verse 14, is Lord speaking. And he replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. This is the word of the Lord. So over the years as a pastor, I've sort of found myself in just some interesting situations, interesting locations. One of those things is just, you know, you find yourself in hospital rooms or By literal deathbeds, and kind of very difficult situations, and most of the time I, I go in those situations and I'm I'm able to do things just fine. But every now and then, they'll just come along a moment that is so tender, so delicate, maybe sometimes even so painful or so hard. I struggle to go by myself, and I've been very blessed over the years that my wife Joy can often pick up whenever I'm struggling to do that, and she will say to me, "Hey." do you want me to go with you? And it doesn't necessarily change what I say or even necessarily change what's gonna happen in those moments, but there is something about someone looking at you and saying, I will go with you whenever you're about to do something really difficult that makes a massive difference. I'm sure you've experienced that. Just to know that someone will be by your side, that someone will actually help you in those moments. It's, it's the gift of presence, Now, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I know that so many of us probably, I'm not the only one at least, hopefully, who's like completely sick and tired of Zoom meetings. Am I the only one who's like sick and, yeah, Zoom meetings? You know, I mean, it's helpful technology and it's very efficient in a lot of ways, but there's certainly something that is less effective about a mediated, disembodied face-to-face communication as opposed to an embodied face-to-face meeting. And I just want us to kind of think about what it looks like in our world to have presence, that presence really, truly matters. Um, We're in this series right now called The Home Edit, and what we're really doing is we're looking at the relationships in our homes, in our circles of friends, Uh, For those of us who live by ourselves, just those kind of tight relationships and how it is that we invite the characters that God wants us to have, the fruit that God wants us to have in those relationships so that they can be as healthy as possible. So today we're going to talk about presence specifically God's presence, but also how God's presence really transforms things and how God's presence makes it possible for us to be healthier and to do better in our lives. And I want to welcome you and challenge you to listen to this today as we read Exodus 33 and think about how presence matters. So why does God's presence make such a big deal and how does it change our homes and our lives? So first, I want us to look at verse 14. Verse 14, and he, that's the Lord, replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I don't know if anybody else did this this Christmas. Did anybody here host family for multiple days at Christmas? Anybody, right? Okay, a few of us crazy ones out there. That's good, all right. So that was was our job this year, kind of rotates. And so uh, the way that our schedule worked out this year, was that we started hosting folks about a week before Christmas. And um, then right about the time that they left, then December uh, 23rd and 24th, we had all our Christmas Eve services here. And so Christmas Day, I mean, and I wanna be clear, I love my family, extended family. That was awesome, we had a great time. But I'm not gonna lie, you guys, Christmas morning, after those services were done, and everybody had left the house, it just felt kinda like I did this emotionally. Ah. <sighs> You know know what I'm saying? Just kind of completely relax. And it was just me and Joy and the boys there at the house. And it was just this sense that you could completely be yourself. This is the description I think that we get in verse 14 when the Lord says, I'll give you rest. The relationship that God wants us to have with him is one of comfort. It's a relationship where you can be entirely yourself. You know, one of the occupational hazards of being a pastor is that, you know, sometimes you, you, you got to be on, that makes sense. And most everybody in Houston who knows me, they don't know me as Steve, they know me as Pastor Steve, right? But whenever I go hang out with like, for instance, my friends from college or my brother, they don't think of me as... Pastor, Steve, right? I'm just Steve to them. Um, I'm in no way special in any regard to them. You know, they're like, okay, great, Steve's here, right? We can get started. He's always running late, that jerk, you know, that kind of a thing, right? Just a very kind of normal relationship that you have with these sorts of people. And I think this is what I want you to hear. God wants us to have those kinds of relationships in our lives where we can just completely exhale and be exactly who we are made to be. I've been a dad now for 22 years, and I can tell you my sons are awesome but totally different, right? I mean, you think, how did these two boys come from the same pool of DNA? I mean, it's it's incredible, you know, totally different personalities, totally different physical appearances, all this kind of stuff. And I will tell you the temptation as a dad has been over the years not to just focus on character or behavior, but to really try to sometimes to make them into something that they're not. I don't know if anybody can resonate with that. But one of the great lessons of parenting is when you finally are able to step back and just say, "This is who my child is and I want to let he or let him or her be who it is that God has made him or her to be." Does that make sense? And I mention that to you because I want you to hear this that this is the relationship that not only we can have with other people, but this is the relationship that God wants us to have. With him. You know, over the years, if I'm just being completely honest, I struggled with insecurity, particularly whenever I was really young, you know, and so I would find myself in these situations, and I would try to be funnier when it wasn't appropriate, or I would, you know, try to impress people. And the thing that I recognize here whenever we read that God wants to give us rest. God wants to give us rest. What does he mean by that? God wants you to be able to step into his presence and just... (sighs) exhale. Anybody here want to admit that you struggle to do that? I mean, if I'm just being completely honest, I can slip into performance mode whenever I'm praying, right? You start praying and you're like, uh, all of a sudden using language that you would never use whenever you're talking to someone else. Or whenever you're talking to God, you start being vague right? Well, God, you know, help me with these things that I'm struggling with. Like, God doesn't know exactly what you're struggling with. One of the refreshing things about reading the Psalms and understanding the scripture is that the Bible is clear. You do not have to sanitize your relationship with God. In fact, if you want to get to a place where you can exhale Emotionally, spiritually, when you're interfacing with God, then you actually have to reach a point of complete transparency and honesty. God, here is the explicit laundry list of things that I have done and ways that I have been and who I did not want to be. God, this is exactly how I'm feeling and exactly what I need right now. And I need to talk to you and for you to hear me right now because I'm struggling in this particular moment in a very real way right now. This is what God is asking us to do. Why? If you cannot be real with God, you will never be able to be real with others. Because being real with God is a recognition of who you really are. Now some of us say, well, I, I can't be real with God. I mean, if I'm really real with God, there's gonna be a distance between us because I am not perfect. I was reading Romans 8 this morning as I was preparing for this sermon. And in Romans 8, there's this great verse, verse 37, that says, I am convinced in neither height nor depth, or and he goes through this great list and then he says, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Two verses before that in verse 35 in the New Living Translation. I love this translation. It says, we are convinced that if we have trouble, God does not love us any longer. How many of us here would just be honest enough to admit that whenever we pray, whenever we're alone with God, we sometimes struggle with sanitizing our words, sanitizing our prayers, because we are convinced that if we are actually honest with who we are, that God will not love us in the way that we desperately need and want to be loved. And so we try to put our best foot forward. And God is like, hey, do you think I don't know what's happening with you? Just be real with me. You guys are familiar with the new social media platform called Be Real. Like it was sort of the antithesis of Instagram, right? Instagram where every picture is posed and filtered perfectly. Be Real just sets this timer and everyone at the same time who's on the platform posts a picture of what they're doing at that exact moment. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you get out of the bathroom before you post that picture. But I mean, besides that, it's just like, this is what I'm doing. This is who I'm with. It's sort of this idea of saying, this is what life is really like. I think that many of us need a be real approach when it comes to our relationship with God. Right? That we'll just say, God, I want to get honest with you right now. You see, the problem is is that many of us don't actually believe that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what I would challenge you today is to understand the meaning of nothing in Greek in the New Testament. Do you know what it is? Nothing. That's it. Like, There is nothing that you could do, say, believe, or think that would ever make God stop loving you because what he did in Christ Jesus is good enough to cover everything. There is nothing that you can do. Well, you know, at one point, nope, nothing. Well, I used to be involved in, nope, nothing. Just yesterday, I did, nope, nothing. We need to believe the gospel. If we will believe the gospel, then guess what? We can be brought into relationship with God where we can finally be honest. Do you want to rest in God's presence? you want to actually be able to rest in God's presence? If you want to rest in God's presence, you need to say, I want to be so present with this God that I don't have to pretend. I can let down my guard and just be. What I want you to hear, is that God wants to give you that, and he is ready to offer you that. He wants to give you rest. Next thing about God's presence, verse 16. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth." So, God wants to give us a presence of comfort, but then next, Moses says, well, God, if we're going to leave here, you have to go with us because the only thing that makes us different or better is if you go with us. Like, if you're not with us, we're just like everybody else. The thing that God's presence gives us is identity, identity. Uh, I I grew up in uh, this little town in Cook County, Texas. Cook County is like right up on the Red River, the border between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, Sort of bounced between a little town called Gainesville, Texas, and then a tiny town called Lindsay, Texas. Whenever I lived in Lindsay, Texas, Lindsay, Texas had 620 people and zero stoplights. Um, It's exploded since then, now has 1,000 people. You know population boom, but um, I'm I'm sharing that with you because in that town, my grandfather, that's where he was born. My grandfather just went to be with the Lord, 103. He he was born there, and he died there a hundred yards from where he was born. And my grandfather was the first mayor of Lindsay, Texas. Okay, and he served that for multiple terms and it was like, okay, I'm done doing that. And everybody in town was like No, you're not. They just all wrote him in, and the next election he had to serve again. I mention that to you because the name Besner, my last name, is kind of a weird name, an odd name. It doesn't mean anything really anywhere in the world except in Lindsay, Texas. (laughs) Like, you hear Besner, you're like, that's kind of interesting. But if you go to Lindsay, it's like, oh, Besner, how are you related to Joe? Well, Joe is my grandfather. Joe had eight kids. Which branch? of the Besner family tree do you belong to, right? So there's all of the positives and the negatives that go along with someone knowing your last name and and this sort of a thing. Guys, I'm not making this up. There is a street in Lindsay, Texas called Besner Street. Like that is a real deal thing, okay? Like my name only means something in Lindsay, Texas. Now, why do I mention this to you today? I mention this to you because having an identity is crucial in today's world. Like so many of us today in our culture are confused on identity. Who am I? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And particularly in a place like Houston, in a city like Houston, where people move from all over and they come into contact with all sorts of different views of the world and that sort of thing. People are trying to figure out who they really are. Now I turn on the news this morning and I see that there's a shooting in Monterey Park, California. There's riots caused by Antifa over in Atlanta, you know, violent kind of stuff. And here's the thing, why do people get caught into violence and gangs and Antifa and this kind of stuff? Because they're looking for a place to fit in. They're saying, I I just want to belong somewhere. I want somebody who will claim me for my own. When Moses says, hey, We'll leave here, but only if you go with us. What he is recognizing is something essential. The thing that makes the people of God different is not just what we believe or what we do. It's that God is with us. The presence of God is with us. God's presence gives us identity. The gospel is that God gives you identity. One of the the things I loved a a few weeks back, a couple months actually, we had parent-child commitment. Maybe you were here on that Sunday, we had all these parents lined up here, and they had their babies uh, lined up. It was awesome. And down here at the end uh, was Ben and Casey Tyser, and they were holding their new baby. His name, his awesome name is Cash. It's like the greatest name, right? So they're holding Cash. Cash was adopted by the Tysers. I just love the picture because on that day, it wasn't just Ben and Casey there, it was also Emma, the birth mom, who was standing with them as if to say, you're not cast out, but you're part of this story too. You're brought in. So today, um, and, and you may already know this, is it's called Sanctity of Life Sunday. Churches are, are across the nation will recognize this. And we've got some of our partners out in the comments today. You should stop by and say hey to them. Um, uh, New Life Adoptions, uh, CareNet, others who work with families who are trying to help protect those babies who are born who may not have the support and that sort of thing that, that they need and adoption and through other services as well. And New Life Adoptions, you may not know, was started by Houston Northwest some 40 years ago. And uh, several families in our church have adopted through new life adoptions over the years. And the reason that that picture with the Tysers and Emma and Cash just really resonated with me is I thought it was just such a beautiful picture of how God gives identity through Jesus. You see, adoption is actually mentioned explicitly in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, we read... He, that's God, predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. The day that Cash was officially adopted into the Tyser family, he got the Tyser last name. And just like the Besner last name, that's gonna follow him the rest of his life and will tell him, this is who you belong to. This is where you belong. And what the Bible says is that in faith in Jesus Christ, something miraculous happens, and you are adopted into the family of God. Like, you're adopted. And there might be some of us in this room today or watching online who think, I don't belong anywhere. I don't have any people. I am completely alone in this world. And what I want you to hear is that may be the case in the physical world, but in the spiritual world, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer a nobody. You are now a son or a daughter of the king. You're completely brought in. You now have a name. And you know we just finished, right? We just finished Revelation, and one day God will give you a new name. You are completely brought in. You don't adopt a child unless you love a child. And anybody who's familiar with the adoption process will tell you it is long and arduous and expensive. And what I want you to hear is that God said, that metaphor works perfectly for the way that I feel about you. I will pay any price. I will go to any lengths to bring you into my family. God wants you to hear this today. In a world that is completely confused about identity on all sorts of fronts, you have a new, fresh, brand new identity, which is son or daughter of the king in Christ Jesus. Identity. And then finally, verse 17, the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you've asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Verse 17, I know you by name. The last thing that I wanted to mention there is attention, attention. A lot of you guys already know in here that I'm a longtime fan of the band U2. And uh, the lead singer of U2 recently released a memoir called Surrender. Bono wrote this. And it's been a fascinating book. He talks about his relationship with his dad. His dad was a big music lover, but for whatever reason completely ignored Bono's singing and learning to play the guitar and all this kind of stuff. And there's this great quip in one of the chapters where Bono says, what's the worst thing that you can do to someone who's a performer? Not give them any attention. And then Bono goes on to say that he discovered attention when he found out that there was a God who was not only ruling and reigning over the universe, but there was a God who cared about the details of his life. Now, I I mentioned this to you today because I think that in our world, attention, attention is one of those things that is at a premium. It's hard, hard to get attention in today's world. It's Hard to get people who will actually pay attention. But this is what love is, right? It's paying attention to someone, knowing what they like, what they dislike, knowing them. The Bible tells us God knows us by our name. God has numbered the hairs on our head. He, he has numbered our, our days. He knit us together in our, our mother's womb. This is the God that we read about in the scripture. Um, I'll, I'll be married 24 years this April. And let me tell you what, yeah, I mean, yeah I'm as surprised as you are. I mean, it's great. So, um, and I want to tell you what, like, You know, like the things that you think, like all ladies like these things, it was good that you get to know your wife because she doesn't always like everything that all ladies like, right? You know, so fall comes around, it's time for pumpkin spice latte time. Joy does not like pumpkin flavored things, right? If I bring her a pumpkin spice latte, she's like, get this trash out of here, okay? Or, um, you know, ladies like, you know, send me to the spa to get a massage. Joy is like, I do not want a stranger touching me in any circumstance whatsoever, right? Um, Her preference is like Marshalls and home goods. She's the bargain shopper kind of person, that kind of a deal. Um, That got like a giant amen from someone over here in the first service, by the way. It was just kind of incredible. And she also hates it whenever I talk about her, so I'm gonna stop talking right now. But I'm mentioning this because this is what love is, right? You get to know this other person, you know, their likes and their, their dislikes. What I'm trying to tell you is that this is, the expression of love is paying attention and understanding, And what I want us to hear is that many of us are struggling in our relationships because we are not giving attention to the people who desperately need it. And if I can just be completely honest and kind of go on a side track, an excursus, I would tell you that that is because we are distracted in a devastating way by technology in our world. And we're giving our kids screens when they're two or younger. And, and we're being distracted by screens and our phones are buzzing and our watches are buzzing and our computers are buzzing and it's impossible for us to focus on anything. And, and you guys know this as well as I do, like it's difficult to be looking at your phone and to actually pay attention to the people who are around you. Um, you know, Joy and I have just both recognized in, in one another's lives, like if one of us is typing a text message, we might as well just stop talking because they will not hear anything that we say. And and the reason for that, by the way, is is like there was this study that came out recently about multitasking. Um, There's like this big debate. Who's better at multitasking, men or women? And everyone's like, well, it's obviously the women. Like that's not even really a competition. But it turns out that uh, no one's good at multitasking. Like there are people who are good at task switching, but no one is good at actually doing more than one thing at the same time. And this is important because many of us think that we're doing more than one thing at the same time while we're holding our phone in our hand and actually what we're doing is we're just ignoring the people around us. So like recently, I've been taking some more drastic steps on this front. Um, I'm basically basically off social media. Like I still have some accounts but I'm hardly on it whatsoever anymore. Um, I'm, when I come home at night, I'm you know, taking my phone, I'm putting it up and like I'll go check it a couple of times through the evening but I'm not carrying it with me everywhere that I'm going. Um, I'm, I'm leaving it behind instead of taking it into meetings. I'm just trying to get control of my life, but I'm trying to do that so that I can pay better attention to the people who are literally right in front of me. Like literally right in front of me. Now I'm sharing this with you because I think that many of us are struggling with not only giving attention but wanting to receive attention and feeling unseen. And what I want you to hear is that the God of the Bible says that he will give you the attention you need, but he also exhorts us to do the same. I love this verse in Proverbs chapter four, verse 25. Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. Like stop looking around at everything else and just focus in. Focus in. If you've ever had a little kid in your house or, you know, in your extended family, and they've been trying to get your attention, and you're looking at something else, be it your phone or whatever, they will crawl into your lap, and they will take your face in their hands, and then they will turn it and say, look at me, right? Did you ever recognize that this is the sort of attention that God gave us when he became flesh in Jesus? But God did not enter the world as a force field that was everywhere at the same time. He became a human who spent his time primarily with 12 people. And I want you to think about that when you think about the people who are trying to build a platform or whatever they're doing in ministry, right? And Jesus said, I'm going to pay attention to you. Like one of the things that I've been trying to work on as a pastoral practice, and I'll just be completely honest, I'm not great at it yet, but it's like when someone is talking to me, because I'm aware there's all these people here and I need to try to talk to as many as I can, I want to focus on the person right in front of me. And that doesn't mean that everybody else isn't important, but while that conversation's going on, I I want to give my full attention to that individual. Still working on that. But I share that with you because Jesus did that, right? Jesus said... I'm going to give my full attention to these people. This is what the Incarnation was about. It' was about giving attention. And God gives you attention in the person of Christ. Jesus becoming flesh is the equivalent of God saying, "Look how specifically I can give attention, and I want you to do the same, And I also want you to know that I give it to you that specifically. Like if you cry out to God, God gives you His full attention. Now, if you've been kind of listening, you're probably kind of saying, okay, well, this is great about how God treats us, but what does this do actually in my home or with my friends? And what I would tell you is, is that the attention and the presence that God gives ought to be the ground of and the model for the way that we pay attention and give presence to those in our lives, so, in other words, let's go back to the first point comfort. We need to be completely honest and transparent with God because then and only then will we be able to be comfortable with other people and will we be able to allow others to be themselves. And only then can we truly experience love. Let's go to the next thing identity. Until we know that we are completely received and adopted in Christ. We will feel so insecure about ourselves, we will run around trying to find meaning and purpose elsewhere. What I want you to hear is this, no church is perfect, but I think this church is pretty great and I would just tell you that if you will belong to Christ and to his family, we will say, you belong here. Like if you need a place, you need a people, this group of people will grab onto you and say, you're here, you're with us. And and I mean, I want you to know, we're all jacked up, but I mean, you are too, it's okay, so like, Just come in and find your identity in Christ and be part of the family of God. And then this third thing, attention. If we recognize how specifically and how focused the attention of God is, I just want us to be able to say, how can I give that sort of attention to the people in my life? To our kids or to our spouse or to our friends or to our coworkers or wherever it is that you're like, wow, I'm just divided. You see, God did all of these things in the person of Christ because he's trying to model love. He's trying to model love. And all of this happens when God takes on flesh. Um, I love, so the word incarnation, which is the, the doctrine of, of God becoming flesh, I love that it has the Latin root carne. It's like, everyone in Texas knows that, that word, right? It's like, I mean... Got me some enchiladas, and they put chili con carne on there. I know exactly what carne is. Got it. And that's what the word incarnation is in Latin, right? It's God with meat. It's like you can see who God is in Jesus. Like you don't have to wonder who God is. You can see it. And, and God said, I, I want you to see who I am so specifically. And this is what he did. He, he became flesh so that first you could see how he specifically loved and lived. And gave attention. And when he taught, he said, I want you to live in a way that seems backwards to the world. But it's completely faithful to God. And, and he just taught it. And the reason that like so many people struggle with it is because it's so backwards. But he did it. And, and then he lived a life so faithfully, so, so powerfully that it threatened those who were in power. But instead of using his power to destroy them, he allowed them to push him out of the world and onto the cross. And he did that because he wanted to show and model what love does because Jesus' death, according to the Scripture, paid the price for your sin and for mine. Like, wow. Self-giving love, that's that's the kind of love that we're to give and to be present with. And then he he conquered death three days later, and and that's to show us that this kind of self-giving love is a love That may not be recognized and appreciated in this lifetime, but it will be rewarded one day in the throne room of heaven at the foot of the throne of Jesus. And what I want you to hear is that if you place your faith in this Jesus, you can have salvation today, saved from your sin, the promise of eternity, the way to live a new life. And God wants you to have that because what I see here when I look at this is God says, I'll do whatever it takes to give you my presence. I'll become a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. I'll follow you out of the wilderness and into the promised land. I'll take on flesh. I'll fill up the synagogue and the tabernacle. I'll do whatever I have to do to bring my presence to you because the gift that God wants us to have more than anything else is him. He wants us to have him and I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know where you're at, but I do want you to hear this, that, that God wants you to know he's with you. He's with you. If you'll just reach out your hand and cry out to him. He'll be with you. He'll walk with you. He'll hear you. He'll rescue you. He'll, he'll be with you, no matter what you're experiencing right now. So today, as I, as I wrap up, I just want you to, to hear this. God's presence shows us how to be present for others, but God's presence is unique and that it's for us to change us. And he's looking at you right now and whatever you're facing, and he's saying, do you want me to go with you? If so, just just say yes to him today. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that here today, right now, you you see us. And God, that, that here right now, we can be satisfied completely in you. And God, our prayer is that right now we would, uh, we would rest in you, that we would find identity in you, that we would seek attention first and foremost from you. God, we love you. And so, Lord, I want to pray for anybody in this room who has yet to say yes to you, that right now they would, they would just place their faith in Jesus. And God, anybody who's struggling, they would throw themselves at your feet thank you Lord thanks for giving us yourself thanks for giving us your presence God we're grateful we pray this in the name of Jesus amen so glad that you joined us online today at Houston Northwest Church where our vision is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus If you have questions about following Jesus or would like to talk to someone about next steps in your spiritual journey, text KNOW JESUS to 281-946-6500. Connect with us throughout the week by following us on social and enjoy a great day.